NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield, mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Coast Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? I'm just recovering from a busy, busy day in uh, Padre land. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Monday uh, was uh, a day off of the team, but they were definitely busy on the uh, transaction front. Um, a lot of uh, little moves here and there. Patrick, you want to take us into a couple moves that the Padres uh, pulled off uh, today? Yeah, so uh, this weekend we had some moves obviously go down. Uh, Jose Valdez was called up from AAA. He was claimed, I think it was May 10th, uh, off waivers from the Angels. Um he was basically called up just as an extra bullpen arm, considering uh, Weaver went on the uh, disabled list, and the uh, bullpen was obviously worn a little thin from Friday's blowout. Um, he pitched a few good innings on Saturday. Um, after the game, the Padres claimed Chase Darneau from Boston. He's uh, kind of a utility player, infielder, can play some outfield. Um, kind of following that move, uh, the Padres also designated Luis Sardinius for assignment, so you got to think that um, Chase Darno was kind of going to take Sardinius' spot. Um, so that made sense, at least to an extent. Although now we hear this morning that Carlos Oswaje is also apparently coming up to the bigs. Uh, he hasn't been officially called up yet, but uh, that's expected for tomorrow. Um, so with all these moves, and I guess I shall also mention that Car- Carter Caps was moved to the uh, 60-man DL, which... It takes him off the active 40-man roster. So now the Padres kind of replaced uh, Sardinius with Darno, and now they have an extra sp- slot with the move of Caps. So right now there's 39 men on the on the 40-man uh, roster. Um, mm-hmm. The only problem is with Aswahe being called up, there's now 26 men on the 25-man roster. So uh, it's likely going to be either Valdez or Quackenbush heading back down to AAA. Um, those are the two guys that have kind of, especially Quackenbush, gone back and forth a bit, and Valdez could be in a similar scenario. So yeah, it's been a, a pretty busy uh, few days here in terms of transactions. And we're obviously still waiting on one more to see uh, who's going to be going down to make room for us. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We've seen uh, a couple of names thrown out here and there. I, I think Valdez and, and Quackenbush make the most sense as you stated. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's that time of the year with a team playing the way they are, where there's going to be a lot of moves here and there. Um, Players like Darno are going to be brought in just to see what they have. Um, at 30 years of age, I wouldn't expect much from the journeyman uh, infield outfielder, but it's nice to see uh, a new faces out there. You know, you team him with someone like Matt Caesar, and, and you know, eventually maybe they can have a productive career somewhere, uh, or for the Padres for that matter. Yeah, I like the I like the move to get Caesar. I think Darno could be a similar piece. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's just nothing more than a depth piece, really. But it's good to shake up the team, especially when they're struggling on offense. And I think. Luis Sardinius really had to uh, go. Whether that whether that's him being claimed by another team or whether he just goes to AAA, he wasn't performing and it was kind of just pointless to have him on the roster any longer. Um, yeah, as for yeah. as for Jose Valdez, I think he could be 
a real good find. I mean, he looked really good. I was actually at the game on Saturday when he was pitching. He looked really good in his in his few innings. Um, yeah, he's a guy he throws hard. Um, I think he's he's a guy that could be in that bullpen at least for this year and maybe long term, depending on how that works out. Um, th- this kind of guy you got to take a chance on. Um, but yeah, it's been a, been a busy day, been a b- busy few days, and we're still waiting for uh, more information. For sure, for sure, yeah. I, I also like Valdez. I think that he's a nice uh, bullpen piece in the future. I mean, he was a top 30 prospect on the Angels uh, list within the past year. So, I mean, you know the abilities there. He's had a little bit of an issue with uh, control, like most uh, most guys who throw mid to high 90s. But, um, again, hopefully that Darren Balsey factor uh, comes into effect and, and can able to harness his power and, and get something out of him. And, you know, it's nice to have uh, a little more of a – uh, so a more of a experienced arm in the minor leagues to have because uh, the Padres at this point have a lot of depth in the lower minor league level, but they need uh, they needed that depth in the higher minor league level. And I think uh, players like uh, like um, Valdez fit that mold for them. Um, Sardinas was it was um, you know I, I heard multiple reports from a lot of people within the Padres that they were disappointed with his work ethic and uh, with the fact that he just didn't seem to really. I don't want to say care, but he just kind of was just going through the motions. I think the team had high hopes for him to uh, begin the year uh, as a team starting shortstop um, once winter first hit. But um, I think that once they saw come into spring training that he really wasn't taking it serious, they had to go out and find uh, Ibar and, and, you know, he lost his job and now he lost his spot on the, on the 25 man roster. And at this point he's a young switch hitting shortstop. You'd, you'd hope that he'll get it, but um, I guess we'll just have to see if someone's going to take a chance on him or not. Yeah. At this point, I mean, you kind of just tell watching him play the body language, which wasn't really yeah. particularly good. And yeah, he's been with so many organizations now he's been through, I think four teams in the last like two or three years. So it's really hard to see where he goes from here. And if he, Maybe it's a wake-up call and he puts it together, or maybe that's kind of where he washes out. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that playing time is going to mainly go to Darno. although Sardinas didn't really get much playing time to begin with. And with the whole Spangenberg and Shimp thing, you got um, both those guys vying for playing time. Um, Cordoba's yep. still vying for playing time. I'm not really yep. sure where Aswahe's going to fit in for playing time. I think he's a guy that should get playing time. Um, mm-hmm. He struggled a bit so far this season, but he's not going to find much playing time or if he is, he's going to be taking away from likely Cordoba or Spangenberg. So exactly. I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. I mean, obviously, Aswahai seems like a short-term move. Um, he may just be up for a few days until they find another pitcher to slot in for Weaver on Thursday. But mm-hmm. uh, until then, I can't see him getting more than an at-bat over the next two days. Um, I'd be surprised if he played any more than that and if he stayed up yeah. uh, any longer than that. But I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. No, no, he's definitely uh, he's definitely far behind in the depth chart as far as uh, middle infield or even third base is concerned. With you know between Solarte, Shimp, and Spangenberg, and you know it's it's tough to say. Uh, you know, Aswahi is a, a nice contact hitter, a, a lot of upside. Uh, at this point, it's just the, the Padres are just loaded with second baseman, and um, he's just he's just back behind in the depth chart. And it's, uh, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how Andy Green utilizes him and. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that Andy Green wants to put out the best team uh, that he can, but at this point, he's he's a little constrained with what he has uh, on his 25-man roster. It, it is what it is. Yeah, there's a lot of options, but not necessarily a lot of good options, and you don't really want to be forcing guys like Darno and Caesar into into a lot of playing time, and you don't really want to 
throw guys like Cordoba into the fire. So it's going to be yeah. interesting how it yeah. plays out going forward. But uh, did you want to do any speculating on who, who's going to be pitching on Thursday? Yeah, that that's that's another interesting topic that uh, you know we you and I discussed before the, the podcast. Um, uh, Nelson Lamette is. You know he's out there. There's a likelihood that they could call him up for Thursday. Um, we know that there's a spot open on the 40-man roster for him. Um, you know it'll be interesting to see see who exactly the Padres um, pick for that for that uh, that spot, or if they even want to go uh, with a bullpen um, type of uh, a game. You know it's there's a lot of different options. We'll we'll see what the, what Andy Green, AJ Preller, and, and uh, the baseball operation teams have uh, in store for them. Yeah, I believe uh, Lamette pitched on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. that would line him up for pitching on uh, Thursday, on, on, Thursday. Four, on four days rest. Yeah. Actually, I think actually no, Lamette pitched Friday. I'm sorry, um, okay. and I think it was uh, Lockett that pitched on Saturday. So I think it's really down to either Lockett or um, Lamette at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Tyrell Jenkins was the guy who was kind of in the mix, but he uh, actually pitched today. So they obviously didn't see that. Um, in the in the cards, um, yeah. Zach Lee was a guy who you probably would see like in that spot, but he's uh, currently on the disabled list. Um, so yeah, I think it comes down to either Lockett or Lamette. Um, not really sure who they decide to go with at this point, but it, it may really just be for one start, depending on how uh, either Weaver or Cahill progress from their uh, respective injuries. Definitely, um, but definitely. I I would lean towards Lockett because I don't want Lamette coming up just for a spot start i'd rather him come up for good when he's ready i don't think he's quite there yet although it is possible given that open spot on the 40-man roster uh lockett is already on the, the 40-man roster but lamette is not mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. if they choose to bring lamette up they have a spot ready for him on the, on the 40-man so i think the speculation is that it's going to be lamette from some people maybe that's a better option but i think uh, Long term, I think Lockett is a better um, idea for Thursday. Yeah, you know, it, it, AJ Preller's having a sleepless night the last couple of nights for sure. I'm sure he's got a lot on his mind and a lot of uh, a lot of decisions to make within the organization. Obviously, you don't want to rush uh, Denilson Lament uh, until he's ready. Um, both Patrick and I are hesitant on bringing him at this point. Um, the walk ratio is still pretty high with him. And you know, I, I understand he's a twenty-four, twenty-five year old. He's 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 up there in age where he should be able to to handle the rigors of a major league action. But at the same time, he's only at what forty, fifty innings pitched in, at AAA level, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. You, you really you want to you want to just ease back at, at this point because it's all about confidence with these young pitchers, and you want to make sure that he has the proper mind frame frame of mind when he's up there on the mound and, and you don't want to damage that in the future i mean there's at this point the Padres season is what it is and there's no sense damaging the future trying to just get a little glimpse of of, of glory in in, in, the, in a player like him yeah no need to rush him i mean i wouldn't do no. it if it's for a start and he comes up it's i'm not gonna like burn the place down but i yeah. just don't think it's necessarily the right move i think lockett's a guy who is probably more ready i mean he's much less of a pitcher than Lamette long term. He's not doesn't have the same stuff. He's not going to be the same no, pitcher. Yeah. Um. But with that being said, Lockett has pitched um more, and I think he's more prepared than Lamette would be. And I think they they obviously view Lamette more highly than they do Lockett. So definitely, it, it definitely. really could go either well, way. You, 
For sure. You know, let's talk a little bit about Luis Perdomo, uh, the poor outing that he had um, on Saturday. That You know, that really taxed the bullpen. It, it, it frankly came out of nowhere. I, I thought he'd have a decent start against Arizona. I know Arizona's a, a pretty decent hitting team, but let's talk about Perdomo and the interesting numbers that he's put up this year and, you know, what, what you see in his future for the rest of the 2017 season. Yeah, I actually was at that game on Saturday, and I remember mentioning the people I was going with. I was like, well, Perdomo's pitching tonight, so it, it can't be as bad as last night when Weaver was on the mound. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, here, here I found myself watching a 9 nothing game. So <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Padres obviously scored late to, to stop the shutout. But, yeah, it, Perdomo just didn't have it at all. It seemed like he was – I don't even know how to really say it. I mean, it seemed like he was just not altogether there. I don't know if something was going on mentally, but – he was just missing his spots. Um, he was making some good pitches. They were just getting hit. Um, a lot of the balls I noticed were getting hit, like in the hole, so in the shortstop hole, or just kind of getting hit in the wrong spot where the defender wasn't standing. So I don't think it's as much. Um, mm-hmm. He was getting really like torched, but I think the balls were falling in. Um, Long term, I think he's probably one of the best things the Padres have going right now. Considering this kid is, what is he, twenty two, twenty three. Uh, he hadn't pitched. Yeah. Above, he hadn't pitched above a ball prior to last season. He, they threw him into the fire last year. He finished the year strong. Um, he started off this year pretty strong. He's actually 24. My apologies. <laughs> considering how, um, <laughs> considering how he's never pitched above a ball, and now he's being thrown in the big leagues, I think you got to expect some starts like this. You got to expect those lumps. Uh, same with Miguel Diaz. But I think long term, Perdomo's got all the makings of a guy who could be a really good find, and I think. He's a guy that could be a, mem- a member of the pitching staff when this team is um, going to be good again at some point. So I think he's definitely someone to watch, and he's definitely someone to, I guess, be thankful that we have him around at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, you said it You said it right. I mean, he's at this point, he'd probably be a double-A, triple-A pitcher um, if things didn't go the way they did. So, you know, the progression of him has been outstanding, and – He's like you say. He's going to have lumps. He's going to have days where he just does can't find it, and we're just going to have to just move on. And you know, unfortunately, his his bad day came on a day after Weaver Weaver just got rocked. But you know, it it is what it is. Um, it, it's tough. It's tough being a Padre fan. It really is. Um, Luis Perdomo will be fine though. I, I you know, it's about health and, and keeping him healthy and keeping him progressing. And, and keeping his uh, his mental his mental side uh, correct and, and and that's what it's all about for the season. Yeah, it's all just learning experience from at this point. I mean, he's got a lot to work on, but uh, he's doing all the things he needs to do to to get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's move into our stack segment right now. Um, there's a couple new uh, couple of stats that we want to go over. Uh, kind of get get uh, the familiar with uh, the, the the listeners out there. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble talking, but get the listeners <laughs> out there uh, familiar with uh, XBA and XWOBA. Um, Patrick, uh, give us a little bit about the weighted on-base percentage and the uh, expected batting average uh, um, stat and uh, how that um, is used to factor in uh, a player's worth on, on the offensive side. All right, so everyone knows batting average is just, I mean, how often a guy gets a hit out of how many times he's at bat. Um Weighted on base average, that's a WOBA. I mean, some people pronounce it W-O-B-A. I say WOBA. Uh, <laughs> so weighted on base average is basically the same thing, although it takes into account uh, any time a player's on base. And it, it takes 
different uh, events into different weights. So doubles are obviously worth more than singles, triples more than doubles, home runs more than triples. So it puts different weights on different uh, types of, of uh, events. Um, so over at uh, Baseball Savant, they've, they're using uh, StatCast, um, which has been used over the past, uh, I think this is now the third season, it's in full use. Um, so they use uh, exit velocity and launch angle to kind of estimate what a player's batting average should be or what his WOBA should be. So they kind of compare based on how hard you're hitting the ball and what angle you're hitting the ball at, how high or low your batting average should be, or in, or in the other case, your WOBA. Um, and they kind of compare to what you actually have and what you should have. So it's a way to determine which players are getting lucky on balls in play, uh, which players are getting unlucky. It, it's just a better way to evaluate a hitter um, because there's a lot of noise in batting average and even weighted on base average, although it's a lot better. It's a lot more complete as a stat. There's obviously a lot of noise there. There's there's fluky plays. Uh, there's defense, maybe an error, not called an error. Stuff like that can can skew um, the data a bit. So the the real mm-hmm. reason that they do this here is to find the difference between the two. So how far a player's expected WOBA is, I guess, how far it deviates from what you actually see. Um, so just kind of run down some numbers. Um, I guess I'll just throw a couple examples out there. So Will Myers... Uh, his expected WOBA is 340. His actual is 365. So he's actually doing better than he arguably should be based on his batted ball profile. Uh, Manuel, mm-hmm. Manuel Margot, same way. His expected WOBA is 276. His actual is 311. Uh, just to name one more, Ryan Shimp is at 311 uh, for his expected and 315 for his actual. So all three of those guys have actually benefited from some luck. Uh, early on in the season, so really what this tells us is there there could be some regression in store for each of those guys. And I actually found out that out of all the Padres players, there are out of all batters with at least twenty at bats, there is nine guys who actually are exceeding expectations by this stat. So guys that are they have higher wobas than you would expect based on their batted balls. Um, Salarte, Hector Sanchez, Matt Caesar, uh, Luis Sardinas, who's obviously no longer with the team and Luis Trends are all, they're the only five that have gone the other way. So their um, actual results are worse than what their results should be. So those are the guys that are having a little bit of bad luck. And I think Salarte is one of the guys who you kind of expect. He's at, he's got a, a expected Woba just over 300. His actual is just 284. So what this, what this tells us is that a lot of the Padres players are getting some good luck uh, on batted balls and, I know the offense hasn't been great, but we actually may be expecting at least some regression of these numbers um, given those differences. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, let's get right into Solarte uh, in particular. You, you're saying that he he's hitting the ball well. He's just not finding the holes properly. I mean, in, in layman's way, is that how to, to kind of kind of analyze the stat? Yeah, in, in a way, it's not finding the holes. I mean, not benefiting from maybe you're hitting a ball at a defender who's in the right spot. Maybe you're hitting the mm-hmm, ball well, mm-hmm. but it's just um, right out of defender. Um, Sarge okay. is not really making I, – I, I'd say he's not really making great contact. He's making too much soft contact. He has the second highest uh, soft contact rate on the Padres. He's 20, – oh. 28% of his balls are hit softly. Um, he's okay. only hitting 22% of his balls uh, in the hard category. So he's actually not really hitting the ball well. But, yeah, there, there's some there's some luck involved there. There's some – hitting the ball right at a defender or maybe hit the ball hard right to a defender 
mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So yeah, we maybe we could expect um, a bounce back from Solarte, although he's really kind of cratered this month um, after a pretty strong 99 WRC plus and uh, 322 WOBA in the first month plus. Uh, over the course of May, he's got a 202 WOBA and a 22 WRC plus. So for those who don't know, WCR pl- WRC plus. Um, is measured on a scale of 100 being average. So if you're at 22, you're 78% below what would be considered league average. So that's obviously not really an encouraging number um, over the course of, I think he's batted about, let's see, 60 times, 68 plate appearances in May. So not really what you want to see. He's only collected uh, eight hits so far this wow. month. So after yeah. 28 hits the first month. So he's definitely slowed down a bit and, um, not sure what would, not sure what's gonna ha- have to happen for him to break that slump at this point. No, he, it's something that's kind of uh, kind of slowly taking uh, taking center stage for the media and, and for you know uh, people like ourselves. But he has been in, in, a, in a little bit of slump, and, and you know you got to wonder if something physically is wrong with him, or if it's just a matter of um, you know the balls aren't flying or falling in, and you know. Utilizing stats like this is a good way of kind of measuring that whether the player is actually performing to their ability or if, or if the luck's just not on their side. Yeah, the, re- the reason I really like diving into these sort of numbers is it gives you more of an explanation than just oh he's not doing well. It's like well why is he doing why is he not doing well? Is yes. uh, is, the, is the ball not getting hit as hard? Is he not making good contact? Um, is his control is his control of the strike zone not uh, the same? Is he hitting the ball in the wrong spot? And I think this tells us that there's a little bit under the surface, and I, I may even dive into this further and, and write some sort of piece here soon because it's it's definitely a concern. He's a guy that, outside of Will Myers, he's really the leader of the offense, I think. And yes, I know yes. some people don't like to think about this, but he was a guy that could have been a valuable trade chip. I know last year they kind of kicked the tires on that a bit when he was hitting well. So yeah. either way you want him hitting well, whether it's um, for, for trade purposes or just for another guy in the lineup to make the, the game a little more exciting. For sure, and, and you know he energizes the team when he's performing and when he's getting big hits, and and they've sadly lacked that over the past uh, two three weeks, and and basically since he slumped uh, offensively, they've been kind of stagnant, if you will, and, and we miss that energy that especially with a young team like uh, like the Padres have, you know, you need Hedges, you need Renfro, you need Margot energized and and, and pumped up and, and and ready to hit, and um, Solarte kind of drives that. I mean, you could say Will Myers is definitely the most productive offensive player, but Solarte is arguably the most important because he protects Myers and because he's a left-handed uh, stick to all those right-handed batters that they have. Yeah, he's definitely a critical part of that offense, and they they need him to get going here soon if, if they want to uh, turn things around at least a little bit. Yep, for sure. Well, you know, let's talk about a common theme here uh, in Padre Land, and that is hashtag the future. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the minor leagues right now because there's a there's a lot of moving and shaking uh, going on um, in the minor leagues. Uh, promotions uh, both actually happening and um, rumors uh, going abound. Um, Patrick, uh, shed us shed some light into the uh, the current moving and shaking going on in uh, in the Padres minor league system. Yeah, so there was uh, quite a few moves that went down um, a little bit yesterday, a little bit today. Um, two of the Padres' uh, recent draftees, Mason Thompson and Reggie Lawson, who were both uh, kind of stayed back in, in extended spring training over the first month or so of the season, uh, mainly as a way to curb their innings because both guys are coming out of high school. Uh, Thompson is coming out of, or bleh, can't talk. Thompson is coming off of uh, Tommy John surgery, <laughs> so they didn't really want to rush either of those guys. So both have now been promoted to Fort Wayne's to start their uh, full season ball. 
Um, Lawson actually pitched tonight. Um, didn't go well. He gave up six runs on seven hits in an inning and a third. He walked two, struck out one. Um, that's nothing. I would, would he, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Can't even talk. Uh, <laughs> he's um, he's young. This is his first start in professional ball, so n- no real concern there. Um, it's also been an, not really officially announced, but um, John Conniff. Uh, was on the Darren Smith show uh, today, and he mentioned that Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese had been uh, called up to Double A, and uh, Dennis Lynn actually said the same thing on a different broadcast as well. So if that is true, which has not been officially announced, and Lucchese actually pitched tonight for the Storm, um, so both of those guys are apparently going to Double A, and, and Cal Quantra will probably be be soon to follow. Um, with that being said, this leaves. Obviously, some spots on the storm, which I know we've been talking about Logan Allen before. He's a guy that's very likely going to be called up sooner rather than later. And to speculate a little bit, I think Jerry Keel's another guy who um, could also see a promotion. He's someone I wrote about today for mm-hmm. the uh, Down on the Farm Weekly Recap. He's been pitching really out of his mind so far this year. He threw um, seven shutout innings yesterday. He threw another seven shutout innings earlier in the week. I believe he struck out 17 batters in those two starts. Um, he's just looked really wow. dominant so far, and I don't know if we really expected this out of uh, Keel. Um, he had a bit of up and down season last year, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's just been really great this year, and uh, he's definitely worthy of a promotion. And with with a few open spots, I think him and Allen certainly will get the call. And uh, my apologies, uh, Keel actually gave up two earned runs in his earlier start this week, but even so, 14 innings, two runs. Pretty solid. Uh, start before that, he threw six and two-thirds, gave up one earned. Um, yeah, he's only really had one bad start this year so far, so he's definitely mm-hmm. been on, on his game, and he's a guy that I could see moving up to Lake Elsinore sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be excited to see him up in Lake Elsinore. Um, we've done an interview with him. He's a, he's a good guy. He's, he's a California um, guy, from what I remember. Um you know, it, it's just fun and exciting seeing the, the Padres uh, players progress like that. You know, of course, there's a couple players here and there that, you know, haven't progressed quite like like we want them to. And, and you know, we expected that. Um, the point is the Padres just surrounded themselves with so much talent that some of them are really going to be excellent players. Some are going to progress and fizzle out. And, and you know, it, it's, it's just exciting to see the team progress and, and, and players get better. Um, you know, Lauer and, and double a is, is, uh, it's, that's an interesting thing. You know, at this point, would a September call up be out of, out of the question with him? Um, you know, talk to me, what do you, what do you think if he, if he's able to perform, uh, at a hitters league, uh, like San Antonio and like El Paso? Uh, I would put the odds of that very, very slim. Um, there's no real reason okay. to rush a guy like that. I know. I know Eric Lauer was uh, quoted saying he wanted to be in the big leagues next year when he was drafted last year. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I don't see that happening. I think that's a little uh, aggressive to say the least. Um, yeah, but him and Lucchese, I think they could be fast movers. I think both guys theoretically could be in the majors next season, at least by the end of the year mm-hmm. as, as call-ups. I'm not ready to say they're going to start the year um, with the team or if they're going to be up in the first month or two. That's that's way too early no. to project. I know yeah. I know. fans yeah. love to ask when so-and-so going to be up, and I am always skeptical of saying any sooner than kind of in the future, especially when there's still two levels yeah. to jump. And you really can't when, the, evaluate, when they're ready. <laughs> yeah, you really can't evaluate a prospect until he's in double-A. Um, that's really when, when the talent level gets to a point where – you can really say whether this guy has major league potential. I mean, it's it's great to dominate uh, low A and high A, but 
Double A is the real mm-hmm. test, and we'll have to see how these guys do over the next few months. And I don't think it's out of the question that either could be in uh, El Paso by the end of the year, but I, I wouldn't say um, San Diego is, is it's a likely option at this point. No, I, I agree with you. But, you know, if they make it to El Paso and are able to perform, that bodes well for the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. And the chance that, you know, we will start to see uh, the Lowers, the Lucchese's, the Quantrills even kind of trickle up to the pitching staff. And it, once that happens, it, things are going to start to progress pretty quickly, and it, it's 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 good. It's it's an exciting thing. I mean, look at Fernando Tatis Jr. at the age of 18 and how he's performing at Fort Wayne. You would have to assume that a promotion with him would be in, in order very soon as well. And if he can finish at Lake Elsinore and even at you know in San Antonio next year and, and El Paso the year after or, or whatever, you're looking at a, him possibly being able to make the major leagues at 20 years old. You know, that, I'm, I mean, obviously, that's I'm being way I'm being way presumptuous here. I mean, he's got a lot of issues, plate discipline issues, and, and other problems that he needs to work out. But it's still exciting to see players able to progress at the level that they are, especially when they're younger than 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 the players that are surrounding them. Yeah, I think that'd be a little too aggressive for Tatis. I think he probably spends the whole year yeah, in Fort yeah. Wayne. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, no, I, exactly. But it's it's still. I mean, if he if he can hit close to 350 and and or 300 and and produce uh, offensively at Fort Wayne, then there's no reason not to start him out in Lake Elsinore next season. And and Definitely. you can see that progression, and, and and it's 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 exciting. You know, I don't we don't want to see him having to repeat Fort Wayne next year or repeat it for two years or, or you no, know not, not just not get it. So it's it's you know I'm I'm just excited because I see the progression and I see the future and. Seeing the growth from a player like him in particular is is it's just it's phenomenal. Yeah, at eighteen, he's he's very impressive, and he's a guy that could very well be a quick mover if he works out the kinks, the strikeout rate, and some some issues on defense. He's he's probably going to be moved to third base uh, long term, so he's got to figure out that a little bit. But yeah, he's a guy that definitely is impressive so far, and he's someone to watch. Yes, definitely. It's it's uh. It's exciting times, definitely exciting times for, for, for Padre fans. Um, any other minor league stuff that we want to discuss before we move on to some rapid-fire stuff? Um, not really, no. Okay. I think we are uh, we are good. Let's get into some rapid-fire stuff. Um, Luis Robert just signed a, was it 25 to $30 million contract with the White Sox? Yeah, I'm not sure um, the official money ever came out, but somewhere in yeah, that neighborhood. Somewhere somewhere in that range. So we were looking at the Padres would have to put in about fifty to sixty million dollars for that young man. Um it's a talented young player. Nobody really knows what he's capable of at, at this point. Um do you think the Padres made the right move in kicking the tires on Robert but not pulling the trigger? Yeah, I know some people are upset that they didn't kind of cap off this signing period by going more all-in and, and signing Robert, but I, I'm not sure if he was a good investment at 50 or $60 million. Um, I've heard conflicting reports about the kind of player he is, the kind of work ethic he has. I mean, he could be something good. He could be Yohan Mankata. I mean, obviously Mankata mm-hmm. hasn't proven anything in the bigs yet, but at the same time, he could be a bust. So I'd rather the Padres save that 50 $60 million and, and spend that either next year or the year after on either free agents or contract extensions for some of these young guys. So I'm not too choked up about the, the, the move that not signing him. So I, I think it, it, it's going to work out for the Potters either way. Yeah. You know, I, I liked him very much. I 
think he has ability, but at fifty to sixty million dollars, I, I really can't justify spending that at this point. You know, we've it's better to put all you put it's you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I, I would have much rather you know if they wanted to spend another fifty million dollars, I'd much rather them go out and, and sign five or six other. Minor, uh, international prospects who could eventually develop into something. Mm-hmm. Not to say that Robert is not going to be an all-star caliber player. At this point, we don't know. I mean, is he going to be uh, Yasiel Puig? Is he going to be uh, Castillo from the Red Sox? Who he's just? I mean, how, how much money did the Red Sox pay Castillo? I mean, didn't he get thirty, forty million dollars? Yeah, and he's um, in the when they signed him. Yeah, exactly. So you don't know. You know. Giving an 18, 19 year old kid thirty to forty forty million dollars sets them up for the rest of their life. So it's about motivation. How much? Uh, how are they motivated to play? How much are they motivated to play? Do they want to be an all star? Do they want to be a hall of famer? Do they want to be the best in the world, or are they just happy cashing in a paycheck? And yeah, it's that, definitely a weird conversation. A big, yeah, that's that's something that you know Chris Pen, Chris Kemp from uh, the Padres uh, International. You know, he needs to go in there and, and look at this player face to face in their eyes and see what kind of passion they have for the game. And I, I really love that the Padres have people like him that are going out there and that are putting in the work that it should pay off because mm-hmm. there's talent there's talent all over the world. It's about will and desire to get better and to be the best and that's what separates a minor leaguer from a perennial all star. Definitely. All right, so let's talk Padres' bullpen. Um, obviously, they've had some issues lately. They've, they've been kind of overworked, overused. Um, how, do you, how do you see the team fixing this sort of bullpen problem they have, whether you want to look at that from the angle of the bullpen being tired or the angle of the bullpen mm-hmm. just struggling when they are out there? What are your thoughts there? You know, I, I think that the bullpen is struggling right now because of the starting staff and the fact that they're not able to go deep in the games. Um, you know, we witnessed that Friday and Saturday night. You know that that's taxing on a bullpen. Seeing Brad Hand out there almost every single day is is, you know, I love seeing him out there. But you got to wonder how much of that's going to affect him in the long term and his stuff in the long run. Um, you know, between Hand, Mauer, Bookter, you know, uh, Torres, they have a solid core of of players. They're just young and they're just. You know, once again, again, the starting staff is just taxing them. I, I expect a lot more from this bullpen, and you know, there's a lot of reinforcements in the minor leagues that can that can come up and help them as well. We have Whistler, we have uh, Brad Wick, we have uh, McGuthrie. McGu- you know, there's 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 players out there that can that can help this bullpen. Um, at this point, I, I think the Padres are just kind of going through the motions. Um, you know, the the, the tank talk is, is strong in San Diego right now. Man, did you just say Whistler? I know it's late, but... I did say Whistler. Did I say Whistler? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Matt Whistler, huh? That would be Yeah, wild. we traded for Matt Whistler. You didn't know that? Yeah, uh, we got was, him back. I was actually thinking of Maton, but I don't know why I said say Whistler. Yeah, I actually thought you were talking about Maton. Maton? Maton? Yeah. But I, I, I wasn't yeah. sure. But yeah, that makes more yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go Google searching. Matt Whistler is not on the Padres anymore. It's been a long day. <laughs> It's 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 been a long day for me. I I apologize, but I was referring to Mayton. Um, there are players in in the Padres minor league system that are that are can help the team in the bullpen. It's just I, I do expect more. Ma- Mauer's. I mean, you wrote an excellent piece on Mauer. He's just 
he's either been lights out or just been shelled, and it's there seems to be no in between with him. Yeah, it's either one or the other, and that's not a good thing for a closer or any no. pitcher, really. No, no, it isn't. It, you know, it, it it just is what it is. In Padre and Lamb, just kind of gotta just ride through the storm. That should um, be our. I think that, that might be our new catchphrase. It is what it is. <laughs> It is what sound it like, is. Sound yeah. like Bud Black or something. That's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Let's throw out all the cliches. That's baseball. Okay, man. well, <laughs> let's see. Uh, we, we're weeks away from the June draft, uh, June Major League Baseball draft. Um, Padres are sitting there with the third pick. There's a lot of rumors going around, uh, Hunter Green in particular. Um, who do you think the Padres will end up with with the number three selection in the draft? Yeah, so we're exactly three weeks out from the draft. Starts so June 12th, I believe. Um, I see Green and McKay going one-two. Not sure what combination that happens in. I think, I think, I think uh, the Reds will take Green if he falls to two, and I think McKay's what, what the Twins will end up doing at one. Uh, that leaves probably either Kyle Wright, Royce Lewis, or Mackenzie Gore to the Padres at three. And at this point, I don't really want to make a assumption as to who they're going to pick, but I think they can't really go wrong with uh, any of the three. Kyle Wright's. A college arm who maybe could be ready a little bit sooner. Mackenzie Gore is a little, uh, little younger. He's coming out of high school. Maybe needs a little more polish. Although some have made the argument that he's actually um, a better prospect currently than Hunter Green would be. I know we've had that mm-hmm. argument made on our own site. Um, so yeah, I think it remains to be seen how that goes shakes out. I think Royce Lewis is another potential option. The Padres really, I think, the, outside of maybe Luis Urias and uh, maybe Fernando Tatis one day. They kind of lack that impact um, position player prospect, so maybe uh-huh. Lewis could be that guy. Um, there's still uncertainty on whether he sticks it short, but he could be a heck of a center fielder. Uh, I know Manuel Margot's got that locked down, but Lewis is such a long-term play that I don't think that's really a concern you have at this point. Yeah, I, I, either you know, anyway, they're not. They should they shouldn't go wrong with a number three pick. Um, I I I, I kind of would not, would like to see Hunter Green fall to them. Just with all the hoopla surrounding him, I mean, the kid throws 100 miles per hour and has a pretty decent bat as well. It, you know, it, it's it's at this point, it's what they want to do with that three pick. Right, right makes sense if they want to go uh, for a, a pitcher who's a little more polished and can progress through the system a little quicker. You know, it, it, anything can happen at this point, and it, it's going to be an exciting draft for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a variety of ways they can go. They can even go cheap and. And maybe make some sort of underslot deal and, and save some money later in the draft. But I think they're. Yeah. Gonna, I think they should probably just go big with that first pick and and see what happens with it. All right. So last question I have for rapid fire: Should Corey Spangenberg be playing instead of Ryan Shimp? Uh, Ryan Shimp is still hitting just below 200. Uh, Spangenberg hasn't been hitting great himself, but he's at least picked it up somewhat as of late. Um, so what are your thoughts on that kind of dynamic and and which one should be getting more playing time here? Yeah, that you know that's a tough one. Uh, the Padres sadly lack left-handed power, and Shimp definitely provides that. But witnessing his 0 for 4 with four strikeout games is is just it's demoralizing. And, and he has those games weekly, biweekly. And I, I, I really like Spangenberg. Spangenberg's uh, someone who I've really looked forward uh, to seeing on an everyday basis for a long time. Um, it's tough. It's it really is because, I, like I say, I, I enjoy the left-handed power that Shimp provides, the protection for all the right-handed hitters. 
Um, but I do enjoy seeing Spangenberg in the number two hole and, and being on base with him and Margot and, and making things happen. He kind of makes up for the loss of, of Jankowski. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, I think that the Padres are probably going to give Schimp a little more chance, a little more time to kind of get his batting average up a little. Uh, you know, he's never going to be a 250 hitter, 260 hitter even. But if he can get respectable to go with the power and, and you know, keep his on-base percentage, I mean, because we all forget he is walking as well too, which is – you know, it's that's valuable in, in some aspects, but uh, I think Shimp is is definitely someone who's going to get the bulk of the, the playing time right now. But I look for Spangenberg to eventually take time from him if he's not able to bring his betting average up. You know, hitting sub two hundred uh, come July and August just isn't going to hack it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting considering how poor Shimp's batting average is. I mean, everything else looks good. He's got a sixteen percent walk rate, which is almost double everyone else. His isolated power is at 252, mm-hmm. which is second to Myers. Um, his WRC plus is 94, which is uh, third best on the team. Um, he's j- just below league average, so he's actually not been too bad by all those standards. Um, but, yeah, I think they want a little bit more from him. Um, he's obviously a trade chip possibility if he can put it together a little bit. I mean, lots of teams like power, and uh, he's a guy that can provide power at a, at a, at a position that's – Honestly, becoming more and more of a power position at second base, so he, he's he's definitely a guy who could see uh, a trade here soon. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, the Padres are just loaded with second base talent. I mean, it, it's just amazing. You, you, it, it's just I don't know. But between Solarte, Shimps, Spangenberg, Aswahe, Urias coming up, I mean, we have five second basemen who you know, five future second basemen or. or second baseman that, that should be playing in the major leagues it's just the the roster on the Padres the construction of the team is is just is bizarre it really isn't we'll go into that in a different show but um they they are just constructed oddly um to say the least yeah there's probably way too many second basemen but what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah well maybe we could get a shortstop in here one of these days but you know it is what it is I think uh We've all we've all been clamoring for that shortstop forever. Um, yeah, maybe when it'll he happen. Gets here, I, I think it'll happen eventually. <laughs> yeah, it, it will. It Hopefully will. sooner um, rather than later. But um, I guess we we can't really uh, beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> no, I, I guess we all yeah we all can't have a Carlos Correa at, at shortstop. I guess you know. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. Well, it is a Padre podcast, so I just want to leave us all in a somber mode. You always uh, have to, yeah, you always have to leave right us on a somber note. That's that's how it works for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 a positive Padre fan, but you know, and at the end, it's it's about reality too. You know. Oh yeah, gotta be realistic here. <laughs> we can't be telling um, no lies. Definitely. Well, so a lot of moves in uh, in Padre land uh, this weekend and the past couple of days. Um, I, I would expect to see more uh, from this team. Uh, once trading deadlines talk starts to heat up, um, I would expect to see the Padres' names out there. I mean, look at Clayton Richard, what he did yesterday. Uh, with his one-year contract, I would expect the Padres uh, to be shopping him as well. Yeah, he's the guy that could return something. He's not a big value type of guy. I think Cahill maybe a bigger no, uh, no. value. But at, at this point, you got to yeah. get what you can get. So. Yeah, no, it's at this point it's about hoarding prospects, and and that's what AJ Pro is going to be doing for the next uh, the next twelve to eighteen months. 
Um, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, episode 36 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we will be back uh, later on this week. Uh, we have a guest scheduled for Friday. Uh, it is none other none other than Mudcat Grant, who will be joining us uh, from the road uh, from Washington on Friday morning. Uh, so look forward, uh, look for that. Uh, Patrick and I also have some extra special guests uh, lined up in the coming weeks. Um, Patrick, I don't think we want to necessarily uh, to tell our hands yet, just yet. But we have some pretty uh, cool guests that we have uh, that we're working on bringing you uh, some exclusive content here uh, from East Village Times. Um, Patrick, want to just uh, head us out of here? This has been a rough show for me. <laughs> it was a long day for you, I know. All right, so I'm on Twitter at Patrick Brewer ninety three. Uh, James is on Twitter evt underscore news. That's our uh, our uh, website's Twitter. Uh, James is on uh, Twitter himself at evt underscore j clark. Uh, we also have a Twitter for our podcast that is EVT Podcast on Twitter. Uh, so give us a follow on all those. Uh... Oh, I can't even talk now. <laughs> give us a follow on all those accounts. Uh, we are also uh, on iTunes, uh, the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we're hosted on Podbean. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, Podcast Republic. Uh, any sort of program you use to listen to podcasts, you can find us on there. So give us a follow, uh, like us, review us on iTunes. I, I saw a review on there. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's always good to, to hear kind words, and I, I'm glad that we're uh, doing a good job here. Definitely, definitely. We'll even take some constructive criticism at this point. You know, we're we're a work in progress, and uh, all comments and uh, questions are definitely greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you so much, uh, folks. East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.